to start with this one. It's going to be an interesting... Uh... I'm sure we'll find somewhere to start. Oh, yeah. We always do. Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okie dokies. Today we are talking about the seventh episode of the fourth season, The Grave Danger Job. It is one that I have been hotly anticipating Beth to watch <laughs> because I think she found it really fascinating. So, Beth, did you find it fascinating? Uh, yeah, I, the thing is, I don't know that fascinating is the right word. I think engrossing mm. yeah. is maybe the right word. Mm. Yeah. Because I just just was locked into that screen. <laughs> yeah, we watched it together and we did record some live reactions, which I will insert here. If any of them were good enough. If any of them were good enough. <laughs> oh, being buried alive. Oh, it's, oh. Oh, yeah. it's one of the worst possible things, I think. Oh, pancreatic cancer is nasty. Like, cancer is mm. nasty, but pancreatic... That's actually not a huge amount for a funeral. Big question. Was this episode written by Sarah Gamble? <laughs> <laughs> I like this shot a lot, actually. Mm. The divide between them is really interesting. This is gonna. I feel like this has a different. Like this episode has a different tone. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean because we started with Hardison being buried? She's eating away. cereal. Also, yeah, I realized it was Hardison. I don't think I actually <laughs> mentioned that it was Hardison. I was just like trying to figure out why the headphones weren't working. Oh, an ad for Windows again. Mm-hmm. So, I love a lot of the shots they're making this episode, like the blind. I love that he walks out as if that's like the whole plan has been finalized. Yeah. Like, we're gonna steal the funeral. What else do you need to know? What else could you possibly mm-hmm. need to know? <laughs> what is it with putting Parker in fridges? There's a lot of ash there, like a vent. <laughs> I love this concept that uh, <laughs> there was like a typo, and that's why Elliot is like, wait, it's not an ex con, it's an ex cop. Like, <laughs> Yeah, this is... Mm, I'm worried. Well, we already know what's going to happen to an extent. I just don't know how it ends up happening. Like, do you see why I was maybe a little bit excited for you to see this one? Yeah. Also, I don't know what it is about the cinematography in this episode Mm -hmm. so far, but, like, there are some really interesting camera choices. Like, specifically on Parker. Mm -hmm. Like, I really like the top down as she's getting out of the body bag. mm -hmm. That's really fun. But there's also, like, the bar imagery when Mm -hmm. she's eating the cereal and then, like, I mm-hmm. mentioned at the very start when she's sitting with Nate, like, having mm-hmm. the divide between the two of them is really interesting. Like, she's clearly... Like, it's a very interesting way, like, a directorial way of making it a point that this is a, about Parker to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, this is going to end up being about Hardison because <laughs> of the opener. Um, And, oh, my God, the fact that he prefaced being, like, oh, claustrophobia, mm, my poor boy. I've got a note from my doctor. doctor. I do love the implications, though, that they get doctor's notes. <laughs> Weird way to phrase that. Yeah. Gentle breeze. Oh my god, that's so Parker core. <laughs> what I love is the fact that it's in like the word art font. Mm. Why is it nautical themed? <laughs> she has a very odd way of speaking. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh, oh. I. Uh... <laughs> I love any time they have to have come up with a distraction on the fly. The Parker, just drop. You're on the you're on the bottom floor now. <laughs> okay, I will give them this. This is way better than whatever they were doing in the wedding job. <laughs> Psychos. There's an extended version of that scene where they're like comparing notes and how they worked out all of the stuff about the dead dude. <laughs> Very good. Ooh, I feel like there's an there. Yeah. I'm selling it. Mm-hmm. Oh, she knows. Wishing we that self aware about our own fucking relationship. That'd be nice. <laughs> also, I appreciate that cup to Hardison. <laughs> mm. 
She's using Nate's tactic of dumb hat. I don't know how... I don't know where this is going to go. Like, normally with an episode of Leverage, you can kind of be like, oh yeah, I kind of see, like... Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out how the fuck Hardison ends up very alive. Like, I'm really quite distracted by it. I... Mm, also, I love her dumb hat tactic. That's hilarious. I love... I love that the Leverage universe, like, they're really expanding. Mm. <laughs> and we know Nate does well in jail. I don't know that he would go to jail. They haven't really done anything, like, mm. pri- imprisonable. Imprisonable? Yeah. Like, being kind of weird is not, like, there's no habitual stalking there. Or anything yeah, like, like, that. like, they went in and asked some questions about the general business. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do that. <laughs> there is so much happening in this episode, but also so many hats. <clears throat> It's really the hat episode. That's I, really that's what is. people remember it for, I'm sure. The hats. <laughs> Why is Hardison always in a life or death situation mm-hmm. with the criminals? Last season they threw him in a pool. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe we should try putting Nate in a coffin next time. Mm-hmm. Nate! Dude, you can't just put him on fucking mute! Are they going to be able to use the fucking computer? <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're just going to send sirens to every cemetery and get him to tell them if he can hear it. They put a fucking rose in there with him? It's all about attention. Oh, okay, do. look. I don't... Oh my god, is that the fucking key to Lucille? Is Lucille gonna save the day? <laughs> god, this is so different for leverage. So dark. It's like watching an episode of Supernatural. I can see my reflection. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of air ducts, though, is there's typically a lot of air in those. Mm-hmm. It's more about the small spaces yeah. than, the, than the air. <sighs> oh, that's a cool placement of the no-smoking oxygen use sign. Mm. The tears. I'm trying to figure out how they shot this. This is like the inverse of those scenarios I was really upset about at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season. I feel like an ambulance driving to a cemetery mm-hmm. is a little bit <laughs> suspicious. Like it's a bit late for that, you know? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> what the hell is an Elliot? <laughs> Iconic. Oh, a classic supernatural conundrum. <laughs> They're splitting up to look for clues. <laughs> No one is to nice guys, such a cliche. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I kind of loved it. Oh, I am worried though. Oh my god, rip. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Who gave that? That's insane. Anyway. To be clear, that's about an ad and not about <laughs> leverage the TV show. <laughs> yeah, sorry, future Jamie. For context, a group of bugs just drove into another bug and then they wiped it off on the windshield. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh my god, do they just say amazeballs unironically? It is 2023, my dudes. I do love the unnecessary cartwork. <gasps> oh, your first name. Oh, I fully forgot about what the plot was. Of course they went to Florida. Looks <laughs> 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 like he's playing maracas. Yes, Nate. Yeah, Nate. That's what you get for putting him on fucking mute. Hmm. I was thinking more like Hole, so I was like, I doing like, like, music. But we watched this episode together and Beth the entire time was like head in hands, like leaning forward. <laughs> like, to be fair though, that does, it, it is semi-related to the fact that this episode is a li- just like a little bit like Supernatural and you can't see it. I, it's quite dark in some places. I did say in the, <laughs> during the episode, so whether or not it made it, makes it into the final edit, I'll reiterate it here just in case. Mm-hmm. But yes, no, it absolutely was like watching Supernatural. I could see my own reflection in my laptop screen for 50% of the episode. So it, I did feel right at home. I'm, I'm glad that we're making you comfortable. I mean, to yes, be fair, also adding to the Supernatural coding of this episode, a lot of it takes place in a graveyard. I've got to be real with you. The, <laughs> the thing that made me think most about Supernatural this episode is something I can't talk to you about yet. 
But if you have watched specifically Goodbye Stranger of Supernatural, then you know exactly what the fuck I'm on about and we'll get there. <laughs> and none of that is reassuring for me. That's You're, fine. It's, <laughs> that, it's the wrong podcast for them. The idea of this podcast is it's not reassuring for you. Uh, yeah, look. <laughs> so I, I love this episode so much. Yeah. This is... An episode that is inherently a Parker episode. It's a Hardison episode. Mm-hmm. It's really looking at what's sort of happening with them and it's a bit of a, like, what happens now that they've decided to sort of take that next step and that they've decided that, you know, they don't want to be just friends, that they are fully in love with each other because, let's face it, they are at this stage. Whether they're going to admit that or not, they're mm-hmm. not. They're absolutely not. Sophie but, made a bit of a show of it, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think what is interesting about this episode in particular is that like obviously there's a lot of character stuff happening Mm -hmm. here but to me it doesn't feel like necessarily like this episode is about forwarding the character Mm -hmm. stuff I feel like this episode is like prepping us for forwarding the character stuff like this is it's kind of like that trope which again comes back to supernatural but like where you put characters in a life or death situation and they do that thing where they're like just in case I never get the chance to tell you or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they, like, make the love confession or they make out a bit or, like, whatever, however, you know, everyone's familiar with this trope, I'm sure. Yeah. It kind of felt like that. But then they pulled it back right at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, they had Parker being super vulnerable mm-hmm. and, you know, saying, like, I need you. Like, I need you. You can't die on me now. And we had Hardison being like, Parker, just don't hang up the phone. Like, I need you to get through this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have the scene at the very end with them in the bar. But then, like, it doesn't quite culminate. Like, yeah. they don't quite have the discussion. They don't quite address it. Like, they're both very aware of what's happened. But it's like in the graveyard, like, Hardison gets out. And he hugs Elliot and he hugs Nate and he hugs Sophie and then Parker, like, they just have that prolonged look at each other. And it's, like, it's very pointed mm-hmm. and charged as a moment emotionally. And, and then the she turns away. the coding of that look killed you? I'm goodbye, stranger. When we get there, <laughs> you'll understand why I was like, oh my god. But, yes, so it is very obvious that these two characters have a more intense relationship with each other than they have with the other members mm-hmm. of the crew yeah. right and so there's obviously something there but it hasn't quite quite culminated yet mm-hmm. and this feels like a instigator you mm-hmm. know like this feels like the catalyst which yeah. is going to mean that the progression of their relationship which up until this point has been relatively slow like we've mm-hmm. gotten fun little sprinkles of it here yeah. and there like we've had um pretzels and i'm sure you're not complaining because you do love a slow I burn i do love a slow burn yeah. i do love a slow burn like it, mm, if i didn't i probably wouldn't have watched supernatural the whole way through but <laughs> and the world would be a better place <laughs> but um i do love a slow burn and i am loving parker and hardison and mm-hmm. i think that the sprinkles that we've had of them thus far through the series have all been relatively light-hearted mm-hmm. like we had the whole pretzels thing we had the whole mm-hmm. like i should meet your nana we had um parker 2000 you know mm-hmm. these are all things that have been very sort of like they're alluding to parker and hardison but it's in a very sort of mm-hmm. happy way the exception maybe being way back in season one with is it the stork job mm-hmm. where they have that discussion mm-hmm. where it's just the two of them yeah that's probably the most like I don't, I don't know, like sad vibes. Yeah, emotionally. But even then, like this is the first time it's actually been like, oh no, this is like their life or death. Yeah, it's not just oh, I've 
you know, I've had hardship in my past mm-hmm. and now it makes me sad. This is different. It's, oh, no, he's currently buried alive. Yeah. And there's only so much oxygen mm-hmm. in that casket. Yeah. And so I think that kind of like the conversation that Parker has with Sophie in the like, mm-hmm. pagoda, is that what it is? Pagola? Well, I was going to say pagola, but I think pagola is specifically attached to a house. I have no idea. There is a word for it. <laughs> what, what is it? We have one not that far from here. It's a fucking... It's a pagola. Is it? The pagola is most commonly an outdoor garden feature forming a shaded walkway, passageway, or sitting area of vertical poster pillars. They usually support crossbeams and a dirty open lattice. Oh, I'm thinking of a rotunda. Rotunda. I'm thinking of a rotunda. (laughs) Yeah, because they're like the circular. Specifically the circular with like almost lattice kind of thing. Yeah, like we used to sit at at the dance. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm thinking Mm -hmm. of. Yes, I'm thinking of rotunda. Anyway. <laughs> Which somehow seems like a fake word. The word rotunda does it not. It doesn't feel no. right, does it? feels no. wrong. It doesn't feel like the name of a thing. It kind of feels more like the name of a place. Mm-hmm. Rotunda. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I would, I would go on a road trip yeah. to rotunda. Anyway. So, yes, you have <laughs> such a pointless side plot of this podcast. Yeah, no, rotunda's just our past <laughs> whoop whoop. <laughs> so... Sophie and Parker are mm-hmm. sitting at the rotunda, and I was kind of thrown by the scene purely because I don't know where they are in relation to Nate's apartment. Mm-hmm. Like, because that's where they were. Yeah. And then the scene cuts, and they're at the park, and then they are like just no longer at the park anymore. So it felt just a little bit like maybe we were missing half a scene in there mm-hmm. that maybe they cut for time to just explain. Yeah. Where and why mm-hmm. they're at the park, but regardless, that's me being really nitpicky. They're sitting there and they're having this discussion about you know. If you've experienced loss before, particularly when you're really young, like, you know, you could build up these protective walls and, you know, maybe part of getting older and part of healing is learning when it's okay to let those walls down. And, you know, people who make you want to let those walls down is it's what makes life worth living. Mm. And so they're being pretty on the nose about it. Like, yeah. they're not, it, this is not subtle. This is Sophie way. giving really... Obvious for everybody but Parker advice. Literally, because she says, so f- maybe that's why they call it falling in love. <laughs> it's like, this, wow. <laughs> if anybody else in the team listened to Sophie give this speech, everyone else in the team would go, yep, she's talking about Hardison. Clearly. This is clearly about Parker. Yeah, and who else could it it's possibly not, be it's about? It's not about the team generally. This is Sophie being like, no, I am going to sit you down and just tell you point blank like, that you need to like appreciate the this. fact that, you know, mm-hmm. you love Hardison and Hardison loves you. Like, yeah. you need to address this. Like, this yeah. is her pretty well explicitly saying that. It's saying, you know, yes, you were hurt when you were younger, you lost somebody, but, like, you've also got to understand that sometimes what makes life, what life worth living is the fact that you have these connections with other people. Yeah, exactly. And so Parker probably is a little bit more dense about it than that just because she doesn't necessarily always understand metaphors and that, like, I think she certainly got the right takeaway from this message, but I don't un- think she understands just how specific, uh, like, Sophie was actually being. One of the things about this episode, which did kind of throw me from the start a little bit, mm-hmm. was the fact that they really opened quite strongly with Parker, like, in the opening scene with, with Nate and uh, one of the mm-hmm. victims, you know, she's sitting there and they Nate turns around and they have that conversation about faith and stuff. And mm-hmm. I was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I wonder where that came from. Mm-hmm. Because it does seem like a kind of 
Out of the blue. Out of the blue, yeah. yeah. And it's because Nate asks, like, Parker, what are you doing here? And she comes back with... She sort of dodges the question. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, because I was like, either she's dodging the question or the question that she asks him in return is, like, part of the reason why she's there. Yeah. But it doesn't really make sense because she would have needed to hear the conversation before she could have that reasoning. So I'm just... I appreciate what they were trying to do with the episode in terms of, like, why they've included it and why they've included this arc for Parker specifically, but also Parker as it pertains to Hardison. Mm -hmm. But I'm a little bit confused about where it's come from. Like, I understand for her character, like, obviously she struggles to bring those walls down. Obviously it's it's tied to But we don't really get a reason why she decided to sit in on that specific client meeting. Because she has sat in in client meetings before and there has been a reason for it. Yeah. But, like, maybe she was just chilling (laughs) at the bar. Like, maybe, and then she was like... She just seems particularly deep in thought this entire Mm. episode. And and I was saying to you as we were watching it, like, they're using a lot of directorial choices and, like, camera angles and shots and stuff to make it very pointed that this is about what Parker is feeling right now. Like, at the very start, we have this interesting shot where she and Nate are sitting next to each other with the divide between them that I thought was fascinating. And then we also get her eating cereal in Nate's apartment, but she's looking out the window and there's, like, the bar imagery of, like, which is very, very common in film and media for, like, uh, being trapped or Mm. feeling confined, which is fascinating again considering the fact that Hardison is literally buried alive this episode and also she's eating cereal which is her comfort food essentially yeah exactly but this is before everything goes to shit Mm. so it for me is a touch confusing Mm -hmm. because it suggests that something has happened that has spurred her into this Mm. sort of line of thought and I would have assumed that if anything that we've seen so far this season was going to trigger this it would have been the long way down job yeah and that was six episodes ago now so it feels like unless maybe just because it's my first time viewing it and maybe I just haven't picked up on it I don't remember it feels like a weird jump yeah and like obviously last week we did have the carnival job which does show sort of like they're in more danger than they normally are in yeah, and it also so. puts um, Parker and Hardison's relationship in kind of a weird spot because of Parker 2000. Mm. So maybe... Although I feel like they cleared that up by the yeah. end of the episode. Like, by the end of it, she was, like, you know, happy as with it. Yeah. So... She was roasting him about it. Mm-hmm. So, so, to be fair, though, this is, like, a season-long character growth and changing plot. Mm. Like, this is certainly not the end of it, and it's also not the beginning of it. Like, we did see it in 401, and I feel like we also saw it in the Van Gogh job in 404. So I think maybe it's just, like, meant to be, like, a bit of a consistent thing. Mm. It does seem like she's taken a large step off screen, though. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mind that. I just thought it was a little bit... Like, I, I the episode opened, yeah. and I was like, oh. Though, to be fair, Sophie's not there, so maybe Parker decided to go down and sit in... I mean, maybe, but like Nate asks her why she's yeah. there, and like you'd think that so he Nate didn't given her ask okay. her. No, yeah. well, remember what happened last time he asked her to be part of the client <laughs> yeah. meeting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she might have just taken it upon herself. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I just—it's not so much a criticism. I yeah. think it's just more like I personally felt like it was a little bit out of the blue, mm-hmm. but that could just be me. And like I said, like it is my first time watching it through, so it is highly yeah. likely that I have just missed or forgotten stuff that's mm-hmm. happened. But yeah, no, I just, um, I felt like it was really interesting the way that they used cameras 
and like angles and shots to highlight that you'd be amazed there's a tv show they do in fact use cameras well yeah but like they obviously specifically in this episode utilize them in a way that highlights her and what is happening with her in a really fascinating way that kind of mirrors what's happening with hardison because he is also very visually trapped Mm -hmm. in uh, but they're using an entirely different way to to portray that you know it's a very like leverage always does a lot when it comes to directing choices like they do a lot of moving shots they do like they're very intentional typically with their shots like they're not they're not like a season one of supernatural it's like okay everything is just like a stable shot we're not going to move the camera so there's always a lot of movement but yeah this this episode feels particularly um intentional in the way they've sort of done that because yeah you do have like that sort of like foreshadowing almost except for it's not foreshadowing yeah because we already know that at some point he's going to get locked in the coffin because that's the opening scene of the episode yeah i think it's also a matter of like they're showing us perspectives we don't usually get Mm -hmm. like we see the side perspective of the booth like we see the booths all the time but we never see that that side profile typically there it's the back of the front like We see Nate's apartment all the time, but we never see it from outside the window. No. We see, you know, Parker in rooms all the time. We mm-hmm. never see her from the top down. Like, it's really interesting, I suppose, like, maybe it's supposed to signify, like, a shift in her perspectives, mm-hmm. you know, or, like, the way that, like, she is viewing the world around her differently. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe that is part of, like, the artistic expression of the episode. I'm not, I mean, I could be pulling that out of my ass. I kind of am. But I do think it is, a, you know, a possibility, certainly. In terms of, like, Parker being isolated this episode, how does it make you feel that Hardison has Parker's phone number memorised and specifically brings her and no one else in the team for help when he is buried alive? I think that it's very sweet that he calls Parker of mm-hmm. everyone. I don't think it's shocking that he has her number memorised. No. I feel like he probably has everyone's number memorised. But then it becomes he then chose But to he chose Parker. Parker. And I think that that is predictable and adorable. Mm-hmm. Like, because if he was going to speak to any of them in his dying moments, he's not going to call Nate. Nate no. will mute him. <laughs> Which I like to believe that Nate didn't mute him. Nate put him on hold. And so he had some lovely, cheerful hold music to keep him at bay. I love that. <laughs> While I mean, he was actively buried alive. They clearly show us in the episode that that didn't happen. No. But it would have been so funny if they did. Yeah. <laughs> I do love, though, that he does, as much as it's like super duper rude of Nate to mute him, mm-hmm. it does mean that, that he's not going to panic Hardison more by giving him, like, having him overhear the whole like oh no like we're fucked like this is not a normal ransom like even if we give them yeah what they want they're not necessarily going to release Hardison yeah I think maybe what he could have done was like explained what he was about to do before he just went oh no you did <laughs> well I feel like more just have Parker take the phone somewhere else yeah. <laughs> like just have her talk to him elsewhere in the building you know that might have been an option but no, he's like, oh, yeah, we are in a lifeline right now. Let me just mute that and let you sit there and suffer with your known claustrophobia because you brought it up literally 10 minutes earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> and Owen Hardison, he probably also emailed them the doctors. Yeah, book. I was going to say, he has a medical certificate about this. And Hardison's claustrophobia is long established. Mm. his claustrophobia, I think the first time we had a mention of it was in the Top Hat job back in season two. I don't remember specifically, but yeah. I believe you. Because we had, that's the, I'm thinking of when we have Elliot and Parker comparing what they did to get over their fear of the dark. 
Oh, right. And Parker was like, I got buried buried alive. alive. Oh, my God. They're perfect for each other. (laughs) It's like (laughs) the perfect balance. You know, from how I met your mother, like the olive theory or whatever, where it's like, oh, one person hates them and one person likes them. You've got Hardison, who was forcibly buried alive against his will and hated every second of it, and Parker, who literally requested to be buried alive. Actually, do you know what is... A really lovely moment in this episode that we obviously, obviously this episode is very much about Parker Mm. and Hardison. It's like a little bit of Nate and Sophie in the way that, Mm. God, I wish Sophie could be this fucking self-aware about her own relationships. Uh, But obviously we don't get a lot of Elliot. No. I just want to say the moment when Hardison is like brought out Mm -hmm. from the coffin and him and Elliot have that hug, it's so lovely. And the whole like, don't you do that again, like thing. And Hardison being like, As if it was his choice. I was going to say, I was like, oh yeah, Hardison will just. Actually, to be fair though, he does get kidnapped and nearly died. Mm -hmm. Nearly. What am I saying? (laughs) He does get kidnapped and nearly murdered a lot. Like, more so than anyone else. Like, he was the one who got kidnapped by Russians. He was the one who got pushed into a pool last yeah. season, and now he's the one who got buried alive. Like, there's maybe a Elliot has a point. <laughs> there's a reason why, like, Hardison dies in planet. It's because yeah. it is he's the easiest member of the team to die. Oh, God. Like, yeah, if any of them are going to. It, like, statistically, mm. if any of them are going to die, it's going to be Hardison, because he is an absolute goddamn genius, but also he does not have the skills the rest of the team have. He is clearly the least equipped in the field. Yes. 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 <laughs> Although I was impressed that Nate was able to use the computer yes. uh, when Hardison wasn't there. Because mm-hmm. immediately they were like, oh, we'll just have a look on the map. And I was like, are you going to even be able to log in? Do we think that they set this up after bloody... Oh, Last time he yes. was kidnapped by Russians. <laughs> like he made it slightly... Like, like he made it slightly easier for them to use the computers. Mm. Also, quick shout out to the Windows software ad yeah. <laughs> again in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really love just putting car ads and computer programming ads into their television show. It's so well, they get paid to do it. Uh, I yeah, I know that. I know that's how product placement works. It's like that one scene in Heartstopper where Nick goes to sit with Tao and he like ever so perfectly places the like soft drink can. I think it's like Fanta, and he like twists it specifically so you can <laughs> see the logo. It's so funny. I'm like, wow, that was so natural and subtle. <laughs> yeah. But A plus getting a good grade in product placement. Yeah, we love to see it. But yeah, no, it's um, it's very entertaining to me personally when they put an ad in the middle of their show. We do get something that you love this episode. Mm. Bad hats as a disguise. Oh my god, yes, love to see it on the villain rather yeah. than Nate. <laughs> Actually, Nate's hair looked good this episode, except for the last scene. I don't know what happened, but his hair all of a sudden was just weird. <laughs> but like the rest of the episode, when he was like in the suit and stuff, I was like, oh, his hair like is actually like sitting nicely. And like she had the dumb hat, so I was like, oh, okay, this is a fun like change of pace. Yeah. And then for some reason, in the final scene when he's speaking to like one of the victims again, his hair mm. is just I don't know what it's doing. because he's no longer pretending pretending to be a businessman. Oh my god, like that's so his businessman right. hair. That's- <laughs> And then this is like Nate hair. Nate hair. Oh, joy. Oh my god. I Wait, this is because I haven't seen an episode in two weeks. What episode did Nate and Sophie walk off and leave the phone at the bar? That was the hot potato job. Okay, so we've already talked about the fallout of that. Okay, because I was just like, wait, did that happen at the end of last episode? Because if so, we need to talk about the fact that they did not address that. But no, okay, that's fine. I've just forgotten. But no, I love to see the switch up of hats. Yeah. It's so stupid. (laughs) But look... Hat theory is real. Hat theory is real. I stand by it personally. (laughs) 
it was also nice to see, uh, well, I guess not nice, maybe it's not the right word, but kind of nice to see Nate and Sophie at a funeral that isn't Sophie's. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect change of pace for, for literally any member of the team to be at funeral that does, is not Sophie's. Yes. Though, that scene. So good. I love it so, so good. They are so good mm-hmm. at what they do. And there is an, there's like an in, in t- extended version of that sequence where they then sit down and they're sitting in the back of the room, like comparing notes about like what they noticed and how they made those like oh, that's logical so jumps cool. to be able to get to like those things about the dead dude. Because I was wondering, I was like, how did they know? Yeah, I like, think you got that for time because yeah, I can understand that. in the episode. You not a lot of they, wasted time at all. Like they needed more time to show Hardison's single tears flowing from his eyeballs, which beautiful, by the way. I really appreciated that. But I understand why that was prioritized over explaining how Nate and Sophie knew those fun yeah. facts. This is the moment of the podcast where we just stop and appreciate Aldous Hodge, Aldous Hodge, and his acting in this episode because he is phenomenal, incredible. Like mm-hmm. I think everybody in the cast does a good job. I think everyone is like everyone is really out here doing their job. Oh yeah, but Aldous Hodge. Every week he hits it out of the park, and this week especially, mm-hmm. considering he is normally the comedic. Somehow they still had him doing comedic relief, not yeah. while he was in the coffin. No. But, like, the happy dance at the end. Yeah. Oh, my God. And also Nate shaming him for that. Like, no, I'm sorry. You can shut up right now. And I'm so glad that Hardison calls him out on it. He's like, <laughs> I was like, fuck you. Um, but, yes, no, Aldous Hodge does a phenomenal job this week, and... The, yeah, the performances is, is is great. Like I said, I was fully engrossed in this episode. Um, it's they, hard, hard not to be. Yeah. They really just, like, every time. They're like, let's just do everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't really hold back. One thing that I will say that did, like, throw me a little, and don't get me wrong, I recognised this episode needed comedic relief because it was so intense for so long there. Yeah. But one thing that was a little bit, I think, maybe maybe could have been cut a little shorter was the scene where Parker is hanging in the window. Yeah. At the, like, I feel like Parker is more professional than mm-hmm. that. Like, I understand, obviously, she slipped, and I was full of fear for my Blorbo. To be fair, though, even if she had fallen all the way to the ground, she would have walked it off. Yeah, exactly. Parker. Like, what was it she said? Like, like maybe season two or maybe even season one, where she was talking about like falling from a height, and she was like, "It's not even. It's like thirty feet or something." Yeah. And they're all like, "Parker, literally, no one can recover from that. What are you talking about?" Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, but I was also like, I feel like she would recover faster. Like she's hanging in that window for a solid like yeah. thirty seconds. Maybe I think she's trying to like swing to get her to get leverage. To- <laughs> get it. <laughs> But yes, momentum. She's trying to get like her momentum up to then go to the next one. Because even if she did get down off the window, she'd have to climb get back, back up. up to like try and come back across. So mm-hmm. I think she's just, yeah. I think it's just like a side effect of like she had to like, and yeah. she knew Nate and Sophie were pretty effectively distracting everyone. Distracting everyone. I do love the fact that like the way that Sophie even starts it is just by going, bloody hell. I know. And then, like, Nate's like, oh, fuck, I've got to, like, play along, play along, play along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, it's so funny because I can't quite tell if Sophie slipped up and said bloody hell because she saw Parker or if she was saying bloody hell as a diversion. Like, I honestly think it's a 50-50. 
because she was looking directly at Parker as she said it. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes a matter of when she says bloody hell, everyone's going to turn to look at her and then change to look where her sightline is going because yeah. she's clearly reacting to something. So I was And like, that's why it comes in that Nate steps up and is like yeah. covers that she's not looking at something that it's yeah. it's like, okay, they're working perfectly in sync and I love to mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, yeah, is that like literally her just being like, oh, fuck, no, Parker's there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like, is it... Is it actually her slipping up and Nate being like, shit, I've got a cover? Or did she do it intentionally but not think it through? <laughs> like, it's got to be one of the two, really. Although I will say, I did very much enjoy the Nate and Sophie dynamic of them just absolutely bullshitting their little hearts out at the front of that funeral. I do think it's innately hilarious that literally, obviously, nobody in that room knows who they are. Yeah. They've rocked up. They've said a bunch of crap about this guy who's died, seemed a little bit weird, and then they leave before the funeral even begins. Like, no, because no one is running this funeral. No. There's no one else standing up. Like, they didn't interrupt anyone. No. The funeral hasn't begun yet. Either that or it's (laughs) already finished. Which I seems weird because they had to enter, like, they're entering and everyone's sitting down. Like, usually a wake is, like, everyone kind of stands and moves to another location. You have, yeah. like, tea and coffee kind of thing. Or at least at funerals that I've been to. Hmm. So I feel like it has to be that they got up, set all that stuff, and then left before the funeral even started. Which is just wild. <laughs> and, like, I don't feel bad about, like, the people who are trying to grieve. Because obviously, like, they're under the impression that these people knew Alan, yeah. I think it was, who died. Yeah. You know, and they clearly made a good enough impression that they are believed that, yeah. you know, they knew him. Like, But it is fucking just wild as all hell. Because can you imagine being at the wake later and being like, oh, did you, do you know where those two went? Like, I wanted to thank them for the, their kind words or whatever. And they're like, I literally don't know who that is and I have no idea where they went. Like, and you ask every single person and no one knows them? Yeah, no one knows who they are <laughs> or where they went. Like, nobody. Like, genuinely hilarious. Mm. Um, I just love episodes where it's like, oh, yeah, no, Nate and Sophie are bringing chaos. Oh, yeah. Not the character chaos. God, no. But, Mm. like, just chaos generally. I think I said to you when we were watching it that I was like, this is the kind of drama that I want Mm -hmm. from Nate and Sophie. Like, this is the exact opposite of the drama they brought to the wedding job. Mm -hmm. This is, like, purposefully planned drama. Yeah. This This is them pulling an Edward Albee. Like, this is them, like, you know, anytime, like, in the ho-ho-ho job when they, like, pretend. Like, I love it when they are very intentionally pretending to, you know, argue or they're pretending to. They're they're causing a scene. They're causing a scene, but it's very intentional. And, like, purposeful. And purposeful. Not just because they can't work out their own goddamn bullshit. Yeah, and it's, God, because that pisses me off to no end. But, like, yes, no, it's very fun to see them. They bounce off of each other very well. Mm -hmm. And to see them playing a bit is quite fun. Mm -hmm. Oh, one other moment that I fucking adored this episode is when Nate is talking to the guys who buried Hardison and he goes, ah, Elliot. And the guy goes, what the fuck is an Elliot? (laughs) It is a reoccurring bit. We've seen, like, we've seen it before. We'll see it again. Oh, it's so funny. Just the, like, you know, it'll look like the team's in danger and they just start laughing or they just say, Mm -hmm. Elliot. And Elliot arrives to beat the shit out of whoever needs to get the shit beaten out of them. Yeah. It is such a reliable part of his characterization. He is always just, you know, moments away, sinisterly rising up behind <laughs> whatever bad guy of the week is doing to he, beat the shit out of some people. He's always loitering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a liker. Mm, he lurks. He lurks. <laughs> it's 
what he does. Oh, I do want to say this this episode does feature one of my favorite things that Leverage does. Doesn't do it very often, but it does it sometimes. And that's when we come and get across like a different con artist and Sophie roosts them. Oh, She's yeah. like, mm, no, even I didn't do that one. It's tacky. <laughs> it's fucking tacky. I love it for her. Like, I love when Sophie is like, oh, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. What I really enjoy, actually, about episodes like this of Leverage is when they're not just up against, like, some big CEO or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're up against another con artist. Yeah. I think that it adds a little extra something-something because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you ha- they have to be more careful yeah. because the person that they're up against knows how to play this game. Wait know? until you meet the pufferfish. I am so excited to meet the pufferfish because I feel like maybe we will mm-hmm. finally get a plot about sustainable fish farming. Okay. And I... Yeah. <laughs> I've been really waiting for that. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Not yeah. that I think you farm pufferfish. I mean, you might. I'm not really sure about... Mm. I feel like they're quite poisonous. Yeah, you know, the more I eat, it was really... Yeah. <laughs> eventually, I swear to God. Eventually, if, you'll understand ev- what I'm talking about. Eventually, we'll get fish farming in some capacity. I'm sure of it. Whether If it ends up, mm-hmm. if it ends up being in the fucking redemption, you get an episode of fucking fish farming and you can't tell me because I'm not up to it yet. I just can't wait for you to have to know that. <laughs> oh, so you're you're alleging that maybe there's going to be a sustainable fish farming in an like in a, like they're going to get re- they're going to get renewed again. It's going to be like yes. season three of Redemption. So even I don't know. Yes, you don't even know it's coming. I, I don't know it's coming yet. <laughs> and you're going to be like, oh, I guess I'm going to turn on the TV and watch season three of Leverage Redemption. You turn on the TV and they're like, Leverage Redemption this week, fish farming, and you're going to be like. Oh my god, Bethany's a genius. In reality, <laughs> it, it won't be that at all. We'll get like a really large melodramatic scene where, you know, they walk out dramatically like if it's a fish farmer. They walk out dramatically uh-huh. onto their dock and the fish are just floating upside down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see it, right? I can see it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Or they're overfishing. Like yeah. they're wild catches mm-hmm. and they're overfishing. And you've got, you know, the, the the small little fishing boat who's like, there's just no catches mm-hmm. for us anymore. Mm-hmm. And there'll be a marine biologist running yeah. around after them going like, you haven't looked at my numbers. You're over farming. The fish populations are dying. It, do you know what kind of impact this is going to have on the local ecosystem? And they're going to be like, we don't care. And they're going to push the marine biologist into the ocean. And then they're going to jump into their pool of money. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're just writing leverage yeah. now. <laughs> I think we should have a... And if they did have an episode about sustainable fish farming, Elliot would, similar to the boost job, except for you'd get the scene of him emerging... Because obviously oh, the grand showdown's gonna be gear. yeah <laughs> the the grand showdown's gonna be on the fish dock where you see all the, the dead fish floating yes and he's gonna pull himself dramatically out of the water to mm. beat the shit out of some people mm-hmm. I love mm. to see it I love to see it I think that if we don't get an episode of sustainable fish farming mm. which is unlikely and clearly <laughs> Hardison would be seasick oh yeah yeah absolutely mm. yeah. Parker is in the rigging of the boats yeah. and having the time of her She's life. She's like climbing. Because now it's is a sailboat. Sitting on this, the ground, clutching the mast with both arms uh-huh. and eyes closed, just yeah. trying not to hurl. Mm-hmm. I don't really know where Nate and Sophie fit in. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to workshop that. Nate's wearing like the the really hideous like big fisherman's hat. Oh my god! That go with like the yellow like the yellow with the yellow rain. Like, yeah, 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 like Paddington. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I see it in my mind's eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Sophie clearly owns a massive canning factory. Oh yes, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. I think which wants to switch from beans. 
fishermen mm-hmm. right they they get their you know the fish come back and woo we're, we're all very happy about yeah. it and then he works with the lady with the gmo potatoes and they open up a local fish and chip shop if we don't get this episode of leverage we should just make it <laughs> <laughs> like either on ao3 collaboratively or maybe it's a tiktok series i don't know like with like dolls maybe i don't know how we do it <laughs> stop motion so stupid. Well, look. Is this what you thought we'd talk about this episode? No. <laughs> I was expecting us to talk about the fact that it's fucking heartbreaking. Oh, I mean, it is. This is the comic relief that we needed after yeah. watching the episode, I think. And Parker is just so fucking terrified of losing Hardison. She doesn't even have him yet. I, Except for she has, and she's had him the whole time because he loves her so much. But she's so terrified of, like, letting him actually in. And, like, she's so used to, like, not being able to... Ha- like, rely on anyone or depend on anyone because, like, the most reliable and dependable person she had in her life was Archie, except for Archie's kind of a piece of shit. And she can't rely on Archie because he has a real family. Mm -hmm. Fucking air quotes around real family. I'm still pissed about that. No, here's the thing about that. You're so right because I think you absolutely nailed it by saying, like, she's so scared to lose him, like, but she doesn't even have him yet because I think that's, like, the crux of this, like, trope that I was talking about before, Mm -hmm. where you have those characters and you put them in that life-or-death situation. Wow, we've really done a 180 on our tone and topic. (laughs) Loving that. Welcome to the (laughs) podcast. But It's a real shame you can't see the manic eyes. (laughs) And the gesticulating. But the thing is that you've absolutely nailed it on the head. Like, that trope is about not wanting to die without having realised the potential of the feelings you know you have and you're pretty sure they also have kind of thing. You know, like, I don't want to give up the chance to have this before it's too late. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, like, the crux of the point of this episode is putting them in a position where they are forced to reckon with the fact that they are not going to live forever. Mm -hmm. And if this is something that they want, they are going to have to acknowledge it Mm -hmm. because otherwise they are, they are going to miss out. They just are. That is how life works. And yeah, it's so pointed. And I think that honestly, this episode was very interesting just in the fact that I think this is the most overtly upset we have seen Parker outside of very few occasions. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking the stalk job. I'm thinking recently as a long way down job specifically, you know, like, but you can really count on one hand the number of times we've seen Parker this emotionally distressed. The future job is another, another Mm. one that's more obvious, potentially also uh, the inside job with Archie. Like Mm. it's less overtly like upset, but obviously that's emotionally draining Mm. for her. So I think that it's very, very interesting here, like particularly the end scene where Hardison like, walks away and you know he actually turns Mm -hmm. back and looks at her a couple of times and she doesn't look back at him and I think that's interesting she is so into she's so inside her own head like everything is happening internally and she was already terrified and this has just made her more scared yeah because this is the thing if she is this upset and vulnerable because that's the key if she's this vulnerable Mm -hmm. without them even actually officially being a thing yeah how vulnerable will she be if they are? And if she lets herself open up to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is such a... But, like, Sophie makes the point early in the episode, and she is right, which is 
these kinds of people, when you meet them, they are, you know, and I, I want to put a caveat here. This does go for beyond romantic relationships. This yeah. is all relationships that you have of any nature that are intense in a good way, yeah. whether they're just some of your best friends in the world or family members that you're close to or, like, however, whatever. It is not just... Well, they're really mean and force you to watch Supernatural. Hey, that's friendship. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, I, I do just want to highlight that it is certainly not exclusive to romantic relationships. However, yeah. in this instance, that is what the emphasis is on because yeah. that is the relationship that Parker and Hardison have to each other. But, yeah, like, the, those people are the people that make life worth living and those experiences are the experiences that make life worth living. It's kind of like that argument of, like, like defund, people want to defund the arts, which is just a yeah. terrible idea. And it's like, yes, we need science and maths and, you know, these – we need people in these fields to progress society and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But there's no point progressing society if there's nothing worth enjoying. And the things that we enjoy primarily come from the arts, whether it's music, whether it's literature, whether it's film and TV, whether it's, you know, any number of other things. Like, it's important that you have both. Mm. And so, yeah, like, in this instance, Hardison is the art, you know? Like, jumping and off Alice a building. really is. <laughs> jumping off a building for Parker, that's like maths or science, right? Yeah. That's like a core thing. That's but, like fundamental. Or yeah. as Sophie said in this episode, she spends an inordinate amount of her life in air vets. Yes, and we know she loves air. Yeah. You know? But Hardison is the loof. Yeah. You know? Like, the purpose of it is just to enjoy it. You know, and then you can dissect it and stuff, but like that is also part of the enjoyment. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't know if I'm making any sense. You're making perfect sense. Oh good. I in feel that, like I am just fucking rambling. They're in love. Yeah. They're absolutely in love and it's insane to me just how in love they are. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they're my blobos and I love them. I yeah. just I I love this episode because of what it reveals about them. Mm-hmm. The intensity of like it is, it's just so intentional about every detail it puts into their relationship. Mm-hmm. It is, it is trying to show us that Parker is actually, you know, probably for the first time in her life thinking about opening up to somebody in this particular like in this fashion. particular yeah. way in this particular fashion. Because even with the team, the like she's not. She's not this emotionally vulnerable with anybody else in the team. Mm. Like, and as much as the team is, like, now her family and they're, like, all one big happy found family, they are also, like, she's also still got all of them at arm's length. Mm -hmm. And she, that's the sort of character she is. You know, like, she does not, like, as much as she trusts them and she cares for them, like, she's still got that level of separation from Mm. them. So it's sort of like just the fact that, you know, she doesn't ever hang up the phone and Hardison and she's so convinced that she's the worst person to like talk Hardison through this and to keep Hardison calm because at the end of the day, you know, if Hardison gets upset and his breathing goes to shit, he's fucked Mm. because that's going to use up more oxygen than breathing in a nice, calm, measured way. So it's sort of like the the fact that she wants to, you know, give the phone to Sophie. She's like, no, Sophie, you've got to, like, this is, this is you, this is what you do. I'm a people person. I don't do this. I don't know how to do this. But the fact that, like, Hardison specifically needs her. It's actually, it's interesting that you say, like, as close as she is with the rest of the team, like, she's still keeping them at arm's length. Like, Sophie makes a point of that when they're in the rotunda. Mm -hmm. And she says, like, I know we don't really talk about it, but, and that's how she opens that dialogue. Yeah. 
you know, she's the first thing she's saying is acknowledging that this is not the kind of thing that they are open about. Mm. And you can see in Beth Reisgraf's reaction as, you know, like in the way that she shifts her body language and stuff, that you can see Parker immediately being like, oh, this is like, I don't want to engage with this in a deeper level kind of thing. Like This is scary. This is... That's yeah, a fear reaction. Exactly. She physically turns away, mm-hmm. you know, and it. I think that it shows growth that she stays where she is and lets Sophie still finish. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that it, sh- it says something that she doesn't just get up and leave. Yeah. But she certainly closes up very mm-hmm. visibly. And even at the end of the episode when she's sitting on the, on the bar, like, the way that she is perched there, like, her knees are to her chest and her mm-hmm. arms are closed. Like, you know, it's very very evident that she's like she's holding herself together right now like she's yeah. very inside her own head mm-hmm. and she's overwhelmed and she's just trying to come to terms and yeah. this is why i think like one of the things that we've always said from season one is that hardison is very good at being aware that parker needs time and she sometimes needs space yeah like he understand that this is not a reflection on him mm-hmm. that it is not it is nothing about you know him or the way she feels about him it's the way she feels about herself yeah exactly like i feel like another character may have been upset at the way that she turned away from him at the graveyard Mm -hmm. but he understands that she just can't right now she is so overwhelmed Mm -hmm. she just needs space and so like when he comes and finds her later like there is no pressure to have a big you know, conversation. Mm -hmm. And when he recognizes, like he says his piece, like, you know, you know, I couldn't have gotten through this without you. You know, there is no pushing for her to open up and he leaves her be and doesn't get upset when she doesn't follow him or, you know, anything like that. And I think that that is a really important part of their dynamic as well. The fact that he's willing to wait for her to figure it out and not Mm -hmm. press her to like, you know, come on, everyone knows Everyone else can see what's happening here. Why can't you? Yeah, like he is letting her figure it out in her own time and in her own way. And he isn't, he's not making it about him Mm -hmm. by being like, well, you need to hurry up because I need to know kind of thing. Like he's being very respectful of her need for time and for space, um, which is something that has been a facet of their relationship since season one, Um, which is, it's just a nice thing that I think is ongoing. Like, I'm trying to imagine, like, Sophie and Nate in that graveyard scene. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like if Sophie had turned away from Nate, he would have been pissy about it. And it would have been a whole thing. Yeah. You know? And I don't even know necessarily if that's what would have happened. But it's like, you just can't actually really imagine Nate and Sophie in the same scene. No. It doesn't, it does not play out the same way with them. Like, Mm -hmm. the way the scene is written is so intrinsically linked to who Parker and Hardison are as characters. Yeah. Because Parker is afraid of that scene. Oh, yeah. She's so scared because she now knows just how much something happening to Hardison would hurt her. Mm -hmm. And also just the residual fear of the fact Mm -hmm. that he barely got out of that. Yeah. Yeah. This episode is, like I said earlier on, I was engrossed. It was intense. There's a lot here. There's a lot here. And it's not what I was expecting either because it's so funny. Like when we go into an episode, like just to lift the podcast curtain a little bit, oftentimes we'll say like, oh, hey, like I'm really looking forward to this episode. Like I'm so excited for you to see it kind of thing. And so often we have like an idea because we know what the other person likes about their respective show of what the episode is likely to be about. Yeah. Jamie typically enjoys like humor, 
and like a lot of quick moving plots and you know like your favorite like or one of your favorite book series is Percy Jackson which yeah. I've recently reread and reading it I'm like oh I understand there's lots here there is no fucking space to breathe shit just happens in that book like I swear to god like his mum spoilers for Percy Jackson his mum gets fucking murdered in front of him he's 12 and then the next fucking the next fucking like two paragraphs later they're like anyway we're gonna play capture the flag tomorrow everyone get ready for that all right, go to bed now. That's like chapter one of book one. It's bananas. And it doesn't stop. And it just doesn't slow down for five books. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, so that's the kind of media Jamie enjoys. And there's lots of good humor in there. Like, and it's all very found family. And like, I'm like, okay, I, I, under, I know what Jamie likes. Mm-hmm. So when Jamie says, hey, Beth, I am so excited for you to see this episode. Like, I've been waiting for you to see this episode. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm thinking it's going to be a vibe, it's going to be humour, it's going to be, like, a lot of fast pace, which I sometimes struggle to keep up with, but, you know, like, it'll be a time. And then we watched this episode, and I was like, what the fuck is this? I feel like I'm watching Supernatural. To be fair, though, this episode (laughs) is one that I was very excited for you to see because I thought you were going to like it a lot. Yes, so it's, I came in with a completely wrong expectation. (laughs) So... The equivalent is, you thought I was, like, saying, oh, no, I'm excited for you to see because it was, like, the Rosherman job. Yes. Which was an episode that I did turn to you say and said, I am very excited for you to see this. Yes. You thought that it, it was, like, because I really like this yeah. episode. And, like, I do really like this episode. I love this episode a lot. But, like, I was so excited for you to see this episode mm-hmm. because I I think as much as it's an episode that I love, I think it's also the sort of episode that you really love. Yes. And so I, I just wasn't prepared for this energy, to be totally honest with you. I'm not mad about it, but I was just not prepared. Mm-hmm. Like, I was fully coming yeah. to it. Because, like, the Rushman Job's a great example. We also watched that episode together. And it was a fucking vibe mm-hmm. the whole way through. And so I mm-hmm. was expecting that energy. And it is not what we got. <laughs> so, yeah, it was interesting. And I, I'm not used to Leverage being quite this... This whole season, actually, mm-hmm. has just been a little bit more, I think, intense. Mm-hmm. There have certainly been more intense episodes closer together mm-hmm. than in any other season this yeah. far. And it's not... I'm not saying that as a good thing or a bad thing. I'm, I think it's just an observation. Normally, in a season, you get maybe three or four really intense episodes yeah. in the season. Normally, like, the opening and, like, the finale, and then you get a couple, like, maybe, like, the stalk job or, mm-hmm. like... And usually, like, the one maybe leading into the finale yeah. is a bit more intense. Intent. Yeah. And so, like, this season, I think we've already had four or five intense episodes. Mm. And we're only midway through the season. This season feels darker, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just not what i was expecting Mm -hmm. especially because i know that you were a season four girly Mm -hmm. i was expecting this to be the 2000s pop season of leverage like i was not expecting this to be the 2014 tumblr emo season of leverage (laughs) you know i was expecting britney spears energy and i'm getting mcr energy I will not say, really though, this also does have, like, the 2000s pop equivalents in this season. Yeah. Oh, I'm not... This isn't even a complaint. It's just not the energy that I was expecting. This... You know? I love... I love the season. Blanket statement. Yeah. I love this season. There are episode like, one to the next that I'm thinking of that do give you a little bit of emotional whiplash. Because, like... Okay. 
Because actually, and this is the other thing, like, we've now had two relatively intense episodes mm-hmm. in a row, mm-hmm. which is unheard of yeah. in Leverage. Like, one of my, like, minor complaints with Leverage is that oftentimes we don't really get any follow-on mm-hmm. from intense, like, yeah. situations with mm-hmm. characters. And to be fair, this is, like, the Carnival Job, for example, is, like, an Elliot mm-hmm. episode. All and, the but tension. it is an intense Elliot episode. Yeah. And so, like, it's not, like... The intensity for Elliot has carried on, but that intensity has definitely carried Mm. on. And so I'm kind of like, what what is happening? Let's do a retrospective while we're talking about this season so far. Sure. Because the long way down job, Mm -hmm. very intense. Mm. Very intense specifically for literally everybody, but like Hardison and Sophie kind of. Mm. But like but specifically for like Elliot. Nate and Parker, mm-hmm. very intense episode. Mm-hmm. Physically intense episode. Physically and else. emotionally intense because they both have yeah. massive revelations, breakthrough sort of moments. Yeah, because Hardison and Sophie are having an intense time mm-hmm. emotionally and mentally, but they're not having the also the additional physical yeah. duress mm-hmm. that Nate, uh, Parker and Elliot are going through, mm-hmm. which makes everything else so much harder. And then we have the Ten Little Grifters job, which is one of the lighter episodes yes. of the season it is like fun murder mystery but also nate does get accused of murder yeah in that, that episode so weirdly de- like i fully forgot that that episode happened actually now that you mention it i just i, I wiped that from my memory when you yeah. said 10 little grifters i was thinking about the potato episode because of the children no. i wasn't thinking about the entire murder mystery episode we yeah. had so <laughs> like it's a it's a bit like the the tone of it is a bit like more light, it's a bit more fun. It's yeah. playing the on the concept mur- is fun. It's playing on the murder mystery genre of it all. They're mm-hmm. they're having a good time. They have the costume party, but also Nate is pretty thoroughly accused of murder, murder. for most of that episode. Yeah. And then we go on to the 15 minutes job, which is a very intense episode for Nate specifically mm-hmm. because he sees himself in the mark and it's like Again, it's not the most intense episode of the season, but it is more intense than almost any other season three episode, I would argue. Like, the baseline just seems to be more intense. And then the Van Gogh job, I wouldn't argue is intense, but it is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. That episode is a tragedy. Like, they are... That one's emotionally intense mm-hmm. for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think that I think that this season has just been way... Mm-hmm. Like, intense is the only word I can think of, like, darker. Like, it's yeah. just been a lot... It's, it's a very different vibe mm-hmm. to the previous three seasons. And again, not a complaint. I'm just not sure what to make of it. Mm-hmm. I think that it's certainly an interesting turn to take. And I'm wondering if it's going to hold out through season five as well. Mm-hmm. Or if season five is going to revert a little bit and go back to that more sort of, like, light-hearted, like, silly ha-ha heist sort of yeah. energy, you know? Because that's kind of what I got very used to. Yeah. Um, it's quite funny, actually. It's very much like the supernatural thing of, like, oh, it's season four, we should switch it up. Like, <laughs> you know? Like, it, it's a very different... Yeah. But unlike... See, like, here's the thing. For me, going from season three to season four of Supernatural is like, oh, it's like... It's the same plot and everything. It's just, like, yeah. they took a different angle with it. But it's also, like, almost a completely different show because they had to, like... Yeah, they revamped everything. Yeah, revamped everything. Whereas... Season four is like, oh, we're allowed to, we're allowed to do this now. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like we can, you know, make our audience cry. That's fine. That's the way we're going on this one. And then they were like, okay, yeah, no, 401. Yep. We are going to have people buried alive in a cave. It's yeah. awfully similar to, Actually, I mean, do you think Dean woke up like, 
Well, I do think it's funny. Like, Dean woke up and immediately lit a lighter. <laughs> and we did make fun of him for that, for yeah. burning up some of the oxygen. <laughs> so at least Hardison had a phone. Yeah. But actually, I realized that I think this is one of the things I said while we were watching the episode. So just in case the reactions don't get put in, I'll reiterate here as well. One of the things that I thought was really interesting about choosing to put Hardison underground in this episode is that it is kind of a flip on the scenarios that I was worried about from 401. Like, in my mind, I was really worried that Parker was going to get somewhere, like, get stuck somewhere, and the rest of the team wasn't going to be able to find her or reach her or get her out in time, and she was essentially just going to die alone in a hole. And here we have Hardison literally put in the scenario, not the exact scenario that mm. I was imagining, but, you know, very similarly, like, he is alone, he doesn't know where he is, the team is trying to find him, but they can't, and, like, they don't know where he is, and they maybe can't get to him in time, he's a left alone in a hole, you know, and so, even down to, in my scenario that I had, like, happening in my head, Parker would have, speak- would have been speaking to Hardison over the comms, and here, he's speaking to her through the phone, and so, it's it was really wacky for me, because I was like, oh, this is, like, the inverse of what mm-hmm. I imagined in my little brain. I was sitting there laughing a little bit as you said that mm. because I, I knew this was coming. And yeah, it's a little bit a little bit relevant to that. Yeah, just a smidge. Just a smidge. I hesitate to call it a psychic Beth moment, but it's it wasn't I like I wasn't completely wrong. I just mm-hmm. had it in reverse, you know? Yeah. There is one element of this episode that I have never understood. Oh, okay. I like I get why they did it, but I don't understand the character reason behind it. Okay. So they've found Partisan. Yay. We love that for them. Uh-huh. I love the fact that it's like the, you know, the little compass makes a return. And like, we've seen that earlier in the episode. And so like, it's nice that we, like, we know, because we know they took the coffin out of her office and that's what they've buried him alive in. Yeah. So we knew the compass was there. Like, that's all been nicely set up. It's I a nice little, like. I can't believe that the nautical theme became relevant. Yeah. Because I was like, why is that coffin nautical themed? Like- it's so that he has something with a magnet <laughs> in the. Coffin yeah. so that he can see that, like, she is there with the metal detector above him. Yeah. And, you know, work out that that's the grave that he's in. So I I love that. Mm-hmm. And so they're digging and digging and digging. They don't seem to get very far down, mind you. No. They're then, not really putting their backs into it at all. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> the bad guys come and shoot, so they run away. And then they go back, and Parker picks up the gun, tells him to roll to his left, and shoots down the side of the coffin. I, well, A... It is immediately made less relevant because... They just open it. They just open it in the next scene and it doesn't even seem that hard. So it's not even like, oh, well, Parker wouldn't have been strong enough to open it alone. Yeah. Like, it would make sense if there was still a decent amount of dirt on top mm. and, like... They were just trying to break through. They were just trying to break through so he could get some oxygen to buy him some time to be able to finish digging him out and get him out. But, like, I don't understand why when that's what the grave looked like. Because we get a shot of it as well. Yeah. We know what the grave looks like. There's not a lot of dirt there. You can just open the coffin as evidenced by literally Nate and Elliot two seconds later. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's a pressure thing. Mm. And the reason I ask this is, do you remember, like, oh, six or seven years ago now, maybe, they found, like, King Richard III, I want to say, under some random parking lot in the UK? Mm -hmm. Right. I am pretty sure this was the case. The coffin had been sealed so effectively that when they opened it, his eyeballs, like, exploded. It's like a pressure thing. Okay, yeah. So I'm wondering if maybe the purpose of the gunshot was to depressurize the coffin so that they could open it. Yeah. Like, I have no idea if that's anything. Can we just say, though, thank God that the bad guys of the week put him in the coffin the correct way. (laughs) 
Because, okay, so left is relative, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, what if he had his head down the other end? Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, what do you mean put him in the right way? Like, put the coffin in upside down? No, I mean, like, (laughs) if he had had, like, if he'd been... Oh, my God, yeah. If he had been laying in the coffin the wrong way... like She would have just shot him. She would have just shot him. He would have moved to the left. She would have then shot the right, but he would have actually been on her right because she's judging it based on the position of... The, like, little keepsake nook thing yeah. as the correct way that the coffin's going. So if they put him in the wrong way, which, I mean, as the audience, we know they haven't because he's managed to get to the keepsake nook thing. Yeah. We know. But if they put him in the wrong way... Do you know what? I wonder if maybe they couldn't because where your head goes, there's a pillow. And if you put his feet on the pillow, the tip of his shoes would prevent the coffin from closing. (laughs) So maybe the fact that Nate made him dress up in a fancy suit with nice shoes and cufflinks is actually what saved him from being shot to death by his sort of girlfriend. For those at home, Jamie folded over herself, uh, laughing. <laughs> I somehow, I don't think that's what's meant to have done it. Oh, well. <laughs> but like, you know, like if you never know. If they'd just been a little bit less considerate and hadn't put his head on the pillow. Mm. Parker would have just fully shot him. Which would have been the worst ending. Like, they finally get... They're just in time. Parker's like, hang on a minute, let me shoot him real quick. Oh, God. Lucky they had an ambulance on site. Yeah. Which I also think is so funny. Like, (laughs) like, I think it's clever with the sirens and stuff. And I think it's clever, especially to have both an ambulance and a police car so that you can have the distinction between the sirens. Like, that's actually I would genius. I can't tell the difference between police silence and ambulance silence. Really? Mm-mm. Oh. They would have sound like sirens to me. Oh, like, I if did... you played one and then played the other, I could spot that they were different. But I wouldn't recognise one as, like, ambulance over... Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I... Just because of where I work, like, we get a lot of ambulances driving past, like, mm-hmm. a lot. Like, it's on a main road. Yeah. And so I hear ambulances... It's also right by the hospital. Like... Well, yeah. I thought it was very clever to no, be I would be, to... I'd be laying there, like, and you know how he's like, ambulance, it's an ambulance. I'd be laying there going, goes, You're like, it's whichever one sounds like a dying cat. <laughs> but I'd be like, yeah, no, it's, it, like, I would just be like mimicking the sound. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, it's this one. <laughs> no. So I do think it's very, very clever. But I also think it is so funny to drive an ambulance to a graveyard. Yeah. Like, it's a bit late, guys. <laughs> to it, be fair, though, like, um, somebody like the, somebody could have had, like, a heart attack or something like, at, at a funeral. funeral. But, yes, no, it's just a bit – it just seems like a little bit – it's just, like, yeah. if you see an ambulance driving towards a cemetery, you're probably like, huh, that's weird. Anyway, I think that's everything. Mm, yes, I think that is also everything. Oh, I did have another point that I really wanted to make. Mm. Okay, so this is not like a substantial point. This just like there is a moment in this episode that really reminded me of a different episode of Lightbridge, and I oh, don't okay. think it was an intentional callback, but I think it would be really fun if it was. Is it an episode I've seen? Yes. Okay. Yes. No, no, you will understand. When I tell you, you will understand what I mean. Like mm-hmm. this is not me trying to be vague for future reference. Okay. Um. There's a moment where there the lady comes out and goes, so you're Mrs. Jackson. According to the computer... You died five years ago. You died five years ago. The According to the computer, send me straight back to the studio job when the ca- reservation has been cancelled by Hardison. Oh. And the lady is standing there going, no, according oh, to the, the computer, computer... This is the future AI wants. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just 
it, it did. It sent me really far back. And I think it's very clever the way that they sort of like, they're like, oh no, we're going to get a copy of them. So mm-hmm. like, if something does go wrong, they cannot run away. Like, even if they go underground, like if they want to use these identities, which we know are their, their escape identities. Their escape plan essentially mm. we want to make sure that they can't do that so mm. i think that's really fun and clever and i really like that a lot and i just want to say that i do love the fact that they had the phone in this episode have the most cheerful like oh my god ringtone, like comedic genius what a nice touch yeah all right anyway i think that was everything that i had to say about this like there is so much more to say about it but like at the moment my brain is completely empty i'm sure we will like stop recording and i'll be like oh fuck that <laughs> but like at this point i think like i think i'm happy to leave it here like obviously if you've got any other opinions i'm more than welcome to come and chat with us did you have anything else that you wanted to add specifically to this episode Beth? i think i just want to put one thing in here because i can't remember if i actually already said it. and if i did i apologize but this episode doesn't feel like a wrap-up of anything with parker and hardison if anything it feels like a lead in mm-hmm. like it feels like that this is going to be something that we are going to see the continuation of in the next couple of episodes if I really hope that that's what they're doing because I have previously criticized Leverage a lot for just not fucking picking up on like leads that they leave at the end of episodes with character stuff so I really hope at some point next episode or maybe the next within the next three mm-hmm. we get some continuation of this if we don't I might be a little bit shitty about it mm-hmm. gonna be totally real um but yeah this certainly doesn't feel like anything was fully addressed or wrapped up so i think that it's it feels much more like a foundational they've opened a can of worms now they've got to deal with them yes exactly yeah all right lovely if you're all done for the day yes beth how would you rate the grave danger job out of five that's a really hard question i actually don't know how i feel about this episode like it was just so different to what i was expecting and i don't like i feel like i haven't had time to process it yet i think i think i'm gonna give it a three and a half Mm. i don't think i can give it any more but i certainly wouldn't give it less you i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i i just i think that it's a really good episode but this this purely comes down to i think that this is not what i mentally prepared for and so i it feels very so this one's on me is that what i'm getting from this maybe maybe a little i just I wasn't expecting the emotional intensity Mm -hmm. and I think I'm just also a little bit thrown by like it feels like Parker's sort of arc of (laughs) you know how do they know that everything's fine when they die like it kind of feels like it's been pulled back to the forefront from kind of nowhere Mm -hmm. because it's been you know episodes since she had that kind of like first awakening I suppose yeah um no I think I think I'm gonna give it a three and a half I enjoyed it. I think there's a lot here, but I don't think, I don't know, like it's not like a Rushman job. Mm. Like it's not like the, it's not, I'm really bad at remembering the name of the fucking episode. So it's terrible because I'm thinking of them, but I can't think of what they're called. Mm -hmm. But it's not the kind of episode where I'm like, oh my God, I was having a ball watching Mm -hmm. this. Like, oh, it was so good. Like, you know, the whole time. So I I don't think I can in good conscience give it like a four or four and a half. I could, I think, I think 3.5 is what I'm going to go with, which I'm, I'm sorry. I know it pains you. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> that just makes me so sad. I'm, I was like, I was so sure. I was like, she's going to love this episode. It has actual stakes. Like there's character growth. There's character development. We get to actually have a look at what's happening in their heads. Beth's going to like it. 
I do like it. I think it's just that the reasons that I like Leverage are not the same reasons that I like other shows. Do you know what I mean? Like, I have gotten so accustomed to Leverage being silly and campy and a bit over the top. Like, I love the way you said, like, I I become accustomed as if you're like a 14th century (laughs) monarch or something. And it's like, I've been accustomed to this lifestyle. lifestyle. No, but like... You know, the things that I usually really like about, like, Supernatural, for example, are all those things. But that's not what Leverage gives me. So it's not what I've come to expect and it's not what I've come to enjoy from Leverage as a show. What I enjoy now from Leverage is the fact that it is silly and a bit over the top sometimes. And, like, that it is super fast-paced and a million things are happening and Nate's wearing a dumb hat again. And, like, you know, it's... I appreciate different things about Leverage. And I think that this episode was really good, but if I was going to go back and be like, oh my god, I remember this really fun le- episode of Leverage that I want to rewatch mm-hmm. for enjoyment, I don't think this would be at the top of my list. Yeah. Okay, so the next episode is called The Boiler Room Job. What do you think it's about? I think they're going to put Parker in another inappropriately like temperature space because they put her in a fucking fridge again this episode, and we didn't even talk about it. Actually, we didn't even mention the fucking body bag. Yeah. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that was a comedic bit. Mm. No time for that now. <laughs> but I think that they're going to make Parker go in an inappropriately temperatured room, probably a hot one, and boilers. Whenever I think of like a boiler, mm-hmm. it makes me think of a ship mm. for some reason. Like specifically... So a sustainable fish farming? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. No, it makes me think... The reason why it makes me think of ships is because it makes me think of the opening of the animated film Atlantis. And, like, the whole thing is that Milo is in the boiler room and, like, he keeps getting calls from places in, like, the museum, I think, where he's working. And they're like, you know, you have to fix the boiler. And so it makes me think of Atlantis and explosions. Oh, yeah. So my thought is that potentially the boiler is overheating and it might explode or, like, something bad is going to happen with the boiler. And then that's that's why. That's my thought. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think Parker will be there because they Mm -hmm. keep doing it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Parker is the one who is like, oh, you know, that's a normal temperature for a human body to be. Exactly. Exactly. Okie dokies. Thank you so much for listening to us today. Please join us again next week for the boiler room job. If you want to talk to us, you can talk to us about literally anything. We are on so many different social media platforms. <laughs> it is truly ridiculous at this point. We are, as the kids say, terminally online. <laughs> But you can talk to us about anything, but suggested conversation topics do include... Please go and commiserate with Jamie. I clearly don't like this episode enough. No, she's <laughs> letting the team down. I was like, yeah, Beth's finally going to get something. She's going to eat well today. And she was like, mm, actually, it wasn't silly and fun enough. That's my life, Bethany. Get your own. I'm so very sorry, but yes, please go commiserate with Jamie and complain about how I just don't understand the uh, the complexities of leverage. Oh, would you also be fucked in the situation? I have nobody's phone number memorized. Oh god, yeah, I'd only be able to call myself like, or a number of landlines that are no longer in use. Exactly, <laughs> like, I would be fucked. Oh, do you know what? I could maybe call my nan because she still uses her landline, but that's genuinely it. Is either that or like childhood friends I haven't spoken to in like a decade. Yeah. So mm-hmm. not ideal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I would be fucked. Mm-hmm. I have approximately zero phone numbers memorized. Mm. Oh, okay. Do you lean more towards the Parker or Hardison end of the spectrum when it comes to being buried alive? Like, is it your worst fear of all time? Or is it something you would willingly do on a weekend off? 
I feel like that's not really much of a question. <laughs> like somehow I, I feel like fall somewhere on the spectrum of I, those I two. I feel things. like there's not going to be a lot of diversity in terms of the answers to that question. Well, someone might be like a budding magician who likes to practice, like you know, the climbing out of your own grave. But that's scenario. <laughs> budding magician. <laughs> it's also like Dean Godin crawling out of his own grave. But you know, like you know, I don't know. Some people might like the idea. I don't know, Jamie. <laughs> you think of another question. <laughs> what What else are we going to ask? Like, oh, yeah, let us know if you've ever tried to smuggle cocaine across a border and gotten arrested. Like, what? Else? let us know if you've ever stolen someone's identity because you were a fake funeral home director. Or I guess a real funeral home director who's just running a scam. But, yeah, what else am I going to ask people about? Hmm? <laughs> Do you know what the road word rotunda means? Before we <laughs> Okay, yeah, that would be a more appropriate question. You did get me there. 